Welcome to the Behavioral Health Podcast. We are resuming after a bit of a hiatus, and I am here with Kirsten Belair, the Director of Behavioral Health at Mount Carmel Veterans Service Center. And I'm going to let Kirsten uh, dive into some topics and tell us all a little bit about what her department and her team does for folks out there. Yeah, thank you for having me back. And uh, it's freezing today. Um, so I'm glad that we're in a warm studio. So I guess I'll start in a way with the inception of our program. So in um, 2016, Mount Carmel, this was before I came on board, had partnered with a couple of the universities to provide low, no cost behavioral health services because the intention of Mount Carmel wasn't to duplicate services, but to fill gaps. And so they noticed that some people weren't getting their behavioral health needs met. Um, we know, you know, when the Lindstrom VA opened in our area, they were basically inundated because we have such a large veteran population and they were doing their best to, <clears throat> excuse me, take care of those needs, but it was a challenge. And so they brought me on in 2017. So I had my seven year anniversary on the 2nd of January. Oh, which congratulations. Yeah, been here, been here for a minute. Um, and from that, um, the best way that we could try and fill gaps, again, being a nonprofit and provide those low to no cost services, we decided to create an educational based program. And so we utilize graduate interns from the universities across uh, the front range and PhD interns as well. And we try and pick the top of the classes and the best of the best because we want people who can hit the ground running. Um, and then we also utilize licensure candidates. So in the state of Colorado, you need about 2,000 hours after you graduate um, with your graduate degree to get licensed. So they're earning hours. And then we have licensed professionals as well. And um, one of the things that we were hearing pretty commonly at that time was this concept that for veterans, they didn't want to see what they call civilian providers mm-hmm. because civilian providers just don't understand they don't get it. And I think also there's a protective factor for the people who've served, um, who've served combat, special forces, things like that. They have some really intense and heavy stories that they don't want to put on just anyone. Right. And so they wanted to be seen by people who had also served. So the challenge with that is there's not enough providers here in our El Paso County area that have also served. That's on the increase and the uptick, which is brilliant. Um, But how could we potentially fill that gap? And so in the program, we um, increase cultural competence working with the military. So we have had veterans come through our program. We've actually had um, a couple of basically active duty and guard reserve. We've had spouses. We've had children of military and then people who just are not affiliated and through the program and through the experiences and the consultation and trainings and stuff like that, it just increases. And so hopefully now um, people who've served or are serving who sit across from one of our team feel like there's not that much of a, of a gap. Hopefully. That's excellent. Yeah, that's really excellent. You bring the cream of the crop plus the added intent to have that cream of the crop be people who have served, who are military connected, who can really, like you said, fill that gap. And that's that's fantastic. To bring that all under one roof here at Mount Carmel is it's really a service to to our 
our area, uh, like you said, El Paso County has an extremely high number of veterans and, and active duty. And um, so that's a really important service that, yeah. that you're bringing together. Thank you. So. Yeah. Um, one of the other, some of the other barriers that we learned about was, for example, even if I have TRICARE, let's say I have a $30 copay, which is maybe not that much. Mm-hmm. However, if I'm being seen for behavioral health services and then I'm potentially also being seen with my significant other or my spouse, and then potentially my kiddos are being seen. This that copay be, adds up. Oh, yeah. So mm-hmm. it could be like a buck twenty a week. That's right. a lot of that money is. a month mm-hmm. and per week. So, again, really trying to look at um, how to make those the, the cost – be less impactful mm-hmm. or less of a barrier. And then also, um, we we have our veterans and or active duty guard reserve define who the family is. So if you're with DOD, Department of Defense, then basically they determine if it's a dependent, then right. that's because you are married and or their biological children. However, um, we work with significant others, grandparents, in-laws, just whoever's directly impacted, because we know that impacting the system around somebody can Mm -hmm. actually be one of the most beneficial things um, than just trying to get that one person to change everything within themselves. That's still a goal, but the systemic view is also very um, effective. Excellent. That's yeah. really excellent. Yeah. So it's January. Yep. It's a new year, 2024. Yeah. So what are some things that you and your team generally might be seeing or thinking about as we're here in the, the new year? Yeah. Great question. So kind of going back to the, um, the systems concept, I will say um, many, many people go through the holidays and it, it they experience it as like suffrage. <laughs> it's really tough. It's a grueling time it's a to grueling be happy time for some and to have to be happy yes. or that expectation that we should be happy. Yep. Don't want to be a Grinch or maybe some of us embrace our Grinch status, maybe. but, but even that comes with a toll. Yeah. Depending, right. especially mm-hmm. if our family's like, stop being so grinchy. Um, <laughs> but I know, for example, like in, in my world, it was fascinating to me um, because if I would go home for the holidays and I'd have my partner with me um, and my partner would be like, whoa, who is this chick? <laughs> like, who are you? And I'm all, what do you mean? I'm just Kirsten. But the interesting thing is, is that when we re-engage in our systems, our family systems, a lot of times the person that we are outside of that system changes and we reintegrate into the system and then we're kind of acting in ways or thinking in ways or feeling in ways that were old system patterns and our mm-hmm. family too. And sometimes those systems feel pretty toxic. And so we're hoping that the holidays are going to be fun and that we're going to enjoy and connect. And yet a lot of times we experience strife and arguments and frustrations. And then it's like this grin and bear it and just push through it. And so the concept in our culture is holidays are supposed to be, you know, celebratory, but then the experience is suffrage <laughs> for some, <laughs> for some. Um, and that can really increase stress, high, high, high stress. And I think that's why we see a lot of mental health struggles um, increase around the holidays, right? And then mm-hmm. also, let's say I've been working on myself, going to therapy, feeling better, doing better, getting better. And then I engage with my family again. Um, or I go home for the holidays, 
And then all of a sudden it's like I've regressed and all that work that I've done has unraveled. That can be really um, daunting and defeating. Absolutely. And so I think people don't always understand the systemic influence and how powerful it is and how a lot of times it comes through the subconscious. It's not even a, I'm thinking We're I'm going to change. Aware. Yeah, yes. not even aware. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then you have people who are kind of coming out of the holidays and sometimes they're feeling better because they're excited about their uh, New Year's resolutions. Um, I know that when I used to work out pretty steadily at the gym, it was always interesting because about January, man, the gym would be full. Mm-hmm. You know, and I would go super early in the morning and there wouldn't be that many people. <laughs> and then all of a sudden it's like, yeah, it's about, packed yeah. until about mid-February, yeah, about mid-February. <laughs> and then it's like, oh, OK, I can get on the machines again. Um, but I think that there's that, um, I don't know, heightened excitement or whatever for the new year. But that may or may not be fully sustainable. Like, for example, um for some reason, you know, there can be high death rates or whatever over the holidays. And so like we have a team member who just lost somebody very, very close to her. And it's like, okay, so we're starting out 2024 with illnesses, let's say, because COVID is, you know, back and angry as ever. And, you know, we have the flu. We have some really serious stuff going around. And um, Vivian is actually out sick. She's our gateway coordinator right now. So it's going around. And then Mm -hmm. if you have loss or death that you're dealing with, and it's entering this 2024 year with, again, this sense of of daunting and um, dismay. It can feel like a lot of pressure, right? New year, new me, or New Year's resolutions, or it's it's fresh, yep. but it doesn't feel fresh. We look outside, and it's pretty gray. Days are still long. Like you said, there's more illness. Maybe there's more death. Maybe you yourself are looking at your personal situation, and, and on the one hand, perhaps you feel societal pr- pressure to feel excited about it and optimistic, but your personal situation has you saying, okay, this is just a new day. Yeah. It's it's a new year, but that's just a difference in in the numeric year. Right. You know, right. we don't always feel congruently aligned with that, I don't know, I'll call it a, an illusion of sure. newness. Yeah. Actually, you know, what you just said um, pinged my memory. So my colleague... Um, because I was 2023 was a challenge for me. It was it was a little bit of a rough year, and I remember my my colleagues saying, you know, it's just a day. Like if you didn't have a calendar saying this month, this holiday, this whatever, it would just be another day. Mm-hmm. And so our perceptions can sometimes say, like in Kirsten's perception, man, 2023 was the worst, <laughs> and it was a year I don't ever want to experience again. So I'm looking forward to 2024. And yet, like you said, it really is just another day that the, you know, earth rotated and moved around the sun and we had a sunrise and a sunset. So yeah, I think it's just fascinating how uh, our perceptions really can impact and influence collectively and mm -hmm. personally. Oh, totally. And then how those things don't always (laughs) align, right? Yeah. 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 It's a challenge. It's a challenge. So I think that um, I just encourage anybody who has a rough holiday season um, and they're still kind of feeling the dregs of it to know that that's not necessarily abnormal. There's a lot of people who experience that as well. Um, and that there is support and sometimes talking about it instead of shoving it. Right. So, um, it's, it, when I think about the military, right, 
when you're serving, you are serving. Again, I've, I've mentioned this um, in previous conversations and podcasts, but this idea that it is not your typical eight to five Monday through Friday, like a civilian. I mean, long hours starting at super early hours in the morning till late hours at night, sometimes weekends, and especially if you're deployed 24-7, right? So mm-hmm. um, when when you get into the holiday season and you don't have the distractions, like if you transitioned out of the military and you're now sitting with your family and there's not a lot of distraction or work to go to um, or focus or purpose, that can feel daunting as well. But also um, one of the themes that I see with those who've served is don't ever be a burden. Mm-hmm. And so maybe they are struggling, but they don't speak it and they don't speak it to their family. Maybe their family doesn't feel safe to them, which makes sense. Or maybe their family is safe, but they also just don't want their family to like jump in and try and fix them or, right. you know, kind of yeah, take over. They, if, if you feel like you're the one who should be fixing things or don't yeah. be a burden, mm-hmm. the last thing you want is everybody rushing to fuss over you and yeah. how can we help you? And, and while you may appreciate or understand where they're coming from, it's still uncomfortable be to uncomfortable to be the person in that place. Right. And I think <clears throat> it makes sense in my brain that if I'm the type of person who typically distracts and just moves on from in my head, um, I may or may not be fully aware of why I'm feeling icky or cruddy. Because mm-hmm. um, you're compartmentalizing yeah. and you're not not dealing with it. Oh, I'll put that in that bucket over there. Slam that lid on top. Yep. <laughs> Make sure it doesn't yep. get out. <laughs> one of the one of the great analogies that I remember learning or hearing was this concept of right the closet and you shove stuff in the closet. And I just imagine literally opening the door and you're able to shove stuff. And then before you know it, it's like ceiling high full of stuff. And then other you're having, stuff starts. Yeah. Other stuff. Out. And then, so you're trying to shove it all back and then you're trying to like close the door and make sure that everything stays in there. And so you're, you know, squeezing your hand in and trying to push stuff into where you can close the door. But God bless if that door opens, right. And everything just mm-hmm. piles out. And so I think sometimes for some people, that's what, um, mental health can be like, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, I'm just going to put it back and put it back and put it back. And that works for a while. And if it works for people for the rest of their lives, bravo. Mm -hmm. Uh, But for some people it doesn't. And then that closet door um, of its own volition will just open and then everything kind of, you know, like (laughs) flies out and it's, it's daunting and overwhelming and messy and we don't even know where to start. Um, So I'm the type of person who I'm like, let's purge, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, I do this in my life too. It's this concept of, okay, if I haven't used it in a year or whatever, let's get rid of it. So it'd be cool if I could do that, like with my mental health, right? Right. If I'm not using this or if this isn't quite up to par or whatever, then let's just get rid of it or do something different or try something new. But right. Some, some spring cleaning, if you will. Yeah. And sometimes when we're in January, it, it's sort of funny, isn't it? Because I feel like spring cleaning, people start to talk about that. And I personally am a fall cleaner. Okay. I always try to like purge and get rid of stuff. And I don't know, maybe gird my loins for the upcoming holidays. Sure, sure. And then I also, I like the concept of spring cleaning, but January is one of those things where I feel like we're, we're supposed to be doing the, the new resolutions, the, the new year, new me, but there's not the same emphasis on spring cleaning. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. Are you supposed to just whitewash the house without cleaning it first? This sounds like a recipe for disaster. Right. I don't know. Metaphorically speaking. You know, actually, as you're saying that now, my brain is like 
going off the rails a bit. So I, I imagine now, like, what if, what if spring cleaning for our mental health would be like, um, counselors or whatever are the team that come in and actually clean your house for you in a that way. That deep cleaning, yeah, the and deep then, cleaning yeah. in a way. Then you can just help you. Yeah, you can just maintain. That would be nice. Um, if only it was that easy. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> but actually, you know, when you say cleaning too, I'll just confess that when my life feels out of control. That is one of my coping mechanisms. You're a stress cleaner. I totally I wish I am. were. Oh my gosh. I wish I am not, unfortunately. <laughs> well, you can say unfortunately. I mean, for some people, I'm sure they would be like, oh my gosh, that's the worst. But right. I, it works for me because I feel like, oh, at least something in my life is organized and it's ordered something right that now. You can control. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And we all have that thing. Yeah. Yes. The coping. Absolutely. Whatever. Coping. Yes. But for those who don't, who like get into the depressive states or really struggle to just engage or do the daily duties that they were doing, I mean, it's. It's a challenge. It's a challenge. But when we think of spring, a lot of times, right, culturally, it's it's like you said, resonating with new. Mm -hmm. And we look forward to that. And we look forward to maybe the warmer weather, though. There are some who absolutely love the cold weather. Um, So bravo for that's me. Okay, good for you. Yes, I'm a polar bear. Okay, good. (laughs) I I am not. (laughs) But if there's ways that whether it's new or not, just different, Mm -hmm. you know, I think change is hard. Change is hard, and yet it's so funny because I think it's inevitable. So, mm-hmm. for example, I can't tell you the amount of people um, that I've worked with and spoken with that say um, when they start dating somebody, well, they just I want somebody to love me for exactly who I am and don't want me to change. They're not going to try and change me. I hear that more from, you know, assigned at birth men, uh, gender <laughs> men, but <clears throat> I think some women too. But the interesting thing is, is that we forget that we are – I know for me, I am not the same person I was five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years. You know, like if you knew Kirsten at the age of 15 and the woman who sits here now, we're, we are st- still me, but mm-hmm. I'm so different. And so I think that we forget sometimes that life is all about change and mm-hmm. change comes upon us sometimes and we don't want it, but sometimes it comes upon us and it's brilliant and wonderful, but we're always changing, ever, ever, ever changing. And so why does it always have to be so scary? Why do we feel like we have to stay exactly as we are? Because we yearn for homeostasis. Yes. We want it to be the same. Yes. I think it's innate for us to fight against it, even though it's inevitable. Yeah. And for those of you who, who may not know homeostasis, so that's a it's the concept of um, a system or certain things want to stay the same. They don't mm-hmm. want to change. And so they say that like our family systems are homeostatic. So subconsciously the system wants to stay the same, which is why we can get better, but our family can still stay struggling and dysfunctional. Right. But yes. Which is where that holiday same. visit back home yeah. can be so yeah. weird because then we, we revert or it's like code switching, mm-hmm. um, changing how you behave and going back to habits, mm-hmm. behavioral habits, um, interacting in different ways where, like you said, Kirsten, your partner's like, who are you? Yeah. What are you doing? I, I'm just me. Yeah. But you're the maybe the you from so many years ago before you went through all that change, like being back in that place mm-hmm. and can really change where you are in your mental state of time. Right. Right. It kind of reminds me of... Um, like people who <clears throat> move away and what am, what am I trying to say? Like, okay, so my family, a lot of my family is from Louisiana. So they have a Cajun accent. It's such a fun accent. Um, and so when I'm down there, I'll start to pick it up. 
But I think mm -hmm. about people who move away and if they come from a culture and then they lose that accent as soon as they get back home or they're talking to somebody on the phone, we just automatically revert mm -hmm. right back to that accent. And I think that's that's life in so right. many ways, right? Mm -hmm. And then we're like, I just imagine, you know, you're dating somebody and they're like, whoa, what <laughs> what is that? I've never heard you speak like that. And you're like, wow, it just kind of came out, you know? Right. But anyway, so back to the January thing. It's cold and bitter today. Um, we're having some Arctic colds here in Colorado, but um, I know I'm 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 wondering what what can we be grateful for. So I know that a lot of people have um, kind of poo pooed or <laughs> been disgruntled with the idea of like the gratitude exercises, right? But dang, if it's not really effective, sometimes just in this moment to take a breath and go, just what is one thing? one thing that you mm -hmm. can be grateful for just one and it doesn't mean that oh my gosh my depression's gone away and everything's freaking fine but it's that perspective changed a little bit like this morning I was thinking to myself as I'm in the shower going I am so glad that we have a basically indoor plumbing that my water is hot that the pipes didn't freeze and that my house is warm like legit you know mm -hmm. that is yay pleasure celebration <laughs> and I could have just walked right through that and walked right over that Mm -hmm. But that was one thing that was like, dang, nice. And I'm driving in this morning and I'm going, man, I'm so glad that my car's heater works because there's a lot of people who drive cars that their heaters don't work or don't yes. have cars. There's the homeless population out there that are sleeping in these freezing temperatures. It's like just one thing, just one small, simple thing that I can hold on to for today. Mm -hmm. It's just like, oh, thank and you. And the way you bake that into the moment as you're doing it, I think sometimes, too, we feel intimidated. Like, I don't have time for a gratitude ritual. Mm -hmm. Where, When am I going to have time to, like, light a candle and look at myself in the mirror? Like, you don't have to. You right. can just do it when you're in the moment, especially the hard moments. I find myself also doing that to just get myself through like I have four kids, it can be a lot of chaos. Mm -hmm. And when I feel like I'm just super frustrated, like, could you just stop, please? Could you give me just a minute? Yeah. And then I then I stop and I think, you know what? I'm really grateful that right now they're healthy enough to be bothering me mm -hmm. or whatever the case is. And sometimes it really is just like minute by minute until you get to the next place yeah. where you can just take a moment. But I was also very thankful for my Subaru on the way here. It started with no issue. Yay. Um, you know, it was almost too cold for there to really be a lot of frost. So I didn't have to stand out and scrape my car a lot. Yeah. Like there were definitely things to be grateful for on the way in. And, and I find myself, too, um, just trying to those little things. It doesn't yeah. have to be huge. It doesn't have to take a big chunk of time yeah. out of your day. Yeah. Just learning to bake those little, just practicing it, mm -hmm. right? It's all a practice. Yep. Um, so you had mentioned, so there's, there's to me a difference, but not a difference between a, like a statement of gratitude and an affirmation, right? Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> sometimes like the candle have, lighting and the mirrors, that yeah, might like be a little bit more of the, yes, the affirmation piece. <laughs> yeah. But that's not a bad thing, but I can say for myself, I could put affirmations on my mirror and I'm not going to buy one of them. <laughs> no. And so I, if me, I, me either, if not, I can't, <laughs> if, if it's going to be an affirmation, it has to be something that is genuinely something that my internal system will say yes to. So mm -hmm. it's this That's idea of, uh, and I learned this from my previous counselor, but it's the idea of like a better version of that thought or feeling. Hmm. So for example, um, if I feel ugly, 
and I put on my mirror, you're beautiful, I'm going, BS. I don't buy that for a second. The the rung is too far high up from where you are right now. Right. But if I could say something like, um, though I feel ugly sometimes, there are some times where I can also feel beautiful. Hmm. Or I may not be the U.S. standard of beauty in Hollywood and the movies, Mm -hmm. Um, but I, I feel beautiful and who I am as a person. Mm-hmm. That to me resonates and I can feel peaceful about those statements versus, oh my gosh, you're so pretty because that's, right. right? No, it makes Does me it think stick? of weightlifting, right? Mm-hmm. Like if if you're, you know, say, I don't know, I don't lift very um, heavy weights, <laughs> but say like for me, you know, shoulder pressing 20s is, it's comfortable for me, but by the time I finish my reps, like I'm pretty tapped out. Well, that's when I go to 25. I don't go up to 40. Sure. You just, Increase it by five pounds. And right. Then, you know, right. Yeah. Yep. yeah. So I love just that. finding a, a, a way to push yourself without yep. setting yourself up for d- defeat or injury. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because injury sucks. Yeah. And so does defeat. Um, my best friend and I actually uh, started this. So I would encourage anybody if they're open to it, you can either do it alone or uh, do it with a, a person. But we did a gratitude alphabet. So every day would be a letter of the alphabet. Mm-hmm. Um, and oh, you would fun. have to list things that you can be grateful for that start, for example, with the letter A. So it could be apples. It could be arms. And I can tell you, my best friend and I, um, we have a wonderful relationship and we love to laugh. And so there are some things that start with an A that we were grateful <laughs> for that most people, and I won't say it on air, right? But the most people are like, seriously, we're like, yes, aren't you though? Like, seriously, aren't you glad for certain things that start with A? Yeah. Um, and then the next day it's B mm-hmm. and it's kind of fun to go back and forth. Um, and again, you can do it alone, but what are some things that you're grateful for? So I'll ask you, Angie, what is one thing that you're grateful for that starts with an A? Art. Okay. How about B? Oh gosh. Um, <laughs> the first thing I can't say it on air. I know, right? <laughs> but are you grateful for it? Yes, I am. Okay, absolutely. See? Yep. Mm-hmm. There you go. Yep. Um, what about you? Letter C. C. Um, man, that's a good question. Because what I want to say is like cats. And though I am grateful for cats, I'm more grateful because my daughter loves cats. And so she gets a lot uh-huh. of pleasure out of cats. <laughs> I personally like cats, but I don't own cats. So maybe cats, maybe not. But more, um, honestly, I'll say this. I'm grateful for caution. Caution. Ooh, that's a good one. Because it's helped me in my life to make better Mm -hmm. and more wise decisions than I've gotten more cautious as I get older, and Mm -hmm. I feel like that's been a gift. Yeah, right? (laughs) I have less regrets, maybe, a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a good one. No, I like the way that that went. You're like, immediately, because mine would probably have been cats. But I also have a cat-obsessed daughter, so I really resonate with that. It's like, well, I like cats, but... I can totally relate that that it's a bigger thing. And then you're like, oh, what's another thing that's like more specific to me personally? Mm-hmm. And then rather than it being a physical thing, caution, it's it's more of um, I don't know. What is caution technically? It's a verb, I guess. Uh, but. Oh, my God. Are you yeah. not? Okay. I don't I have a master's degree in English. I can tell English you that I don't. Thing. Well, I do, but I'm just really. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> but but no um but you know it's not just um a physical thing necessarily it can be an attitude or an idea a concept 
um, an action. Mm-hmm. So that's that's a really great way. So hopefully the listeners out there will yeah. have some fun with that. Yeah. And and you're not on air, listeners, so you can totally just have fun with all the inappropriate things. Absolutely, <laughs> those are the best. <laughs> yep. I got two questions for you. Yeah. Uh, so who's eligible? for Mount Carmel's Behavioral Health Center. And then my second question is, uh, let's say there's a soldier listening and he's kind of nervous to come in to sure. go to therapy because of however like, you know, people view therapy. How, what would you say to him to feel more accepted as he com- like comes in on his first time ever coming into behavioral health? Yeah, great questions. Um, so I'll start by saying, for people, let's say, who've <clears throat> never been to therapy, Um, I think there's a lot of perceptions of what therapy is. And so at times, are you sitting across from somebody and it's deep and serious and all those type of things? Yes. But I also think therapy is an opportunity to just be real. And I believe some of the best therapists are the ones who show up authentically and they're real people too. So I would say at least for our team, um, if you come in and you meet with one of our team members, hopefully it's not going to feel, I want to say sterile. Hopefully it's going to feel like you're just kicking it with another person for a minute. Right. And talking about things you may not typically talk about. Um, Also we have in our gateway program, a no cost screening. And so that's just a, an opportunity to have a conversation and identify what behavioral health needs um, a person has, and then from there determine what are the best next steps, mm-hmm. because it's not all about our program. We want to identify um, what providers in the community are going to be the best fit for somebody. And so, I don't like to should very often because they say don't should on yourself um, <laughs> or others, and I agree with that. But when it comes to therapy, I will say it should be an experience where you feel safe and valued and you don't feel judged or like you're just a project for somebody to fix um, where you can bring your deep, dark dirties or laugh your ass off, honestly. Um, it's, it's, it's an opportunity to get real, to work and to be challenged, but also to be cared for in those moments. So um, if anybody's going to uh, try therapy for the first time, and you meet with somebody, it doesn't feel like a good fit, that's okay, try again. There's a lot of providers, there's a lot of different personalities out there. Um, However, if somebody keeps trying and trying and trying um, and they're not finding a fit, then that might indicate something else. But for the most part, just give it a go, right? It's Mm -hmm. supposed to be more relational and conversational. It's not like back in the day when we think about Freud and the couch and you have somebody smoking a pipe and like telling you what all your problems are. Um, That's not necessarily the therapeutic model of today. And then... um, what was the other question? Open I totally to brain farted. Veterans, families. Yes, right. who's thank eligible? you. Yeah, yeah. Like earlier eligible? you had mentioned that some of the systemic limitations, like grandma, like parents, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like stepchildren, or mm-hmm. things like that, you guys are actively working to to break down those barriers yep. and work with a wider. So, can you speak to that yep. a little bit more? Yep. So, like you were uh, mentioning, so for eligibility, um, we serve veterans regardless of discharge status, era of service, or length of service. Um, we also serve active duty, guard, reserve, um, and then again, their families. So, families can extend out to significant others. It can even be caregivers, it can be best friends who you're living with who are helping you in your mental health. Um, 
you know, we, we really let the people identify who their, who their um, support systems are. And so you're are eligible those, that way. Yeah. Are those identified then in that kind of that initial intake conversation that you had mentioned? Or, or what does that look like, especially if it's sort of not, I, I'm using air quotes, non-traditional yeah. family that is that best friend that you're living with or um, or a family family member or caregiver? What does it look like to bring them into the picture? Yeah. Good question. Well, <clears throat> there's a level of potential vulnerability for people, um, especially those who've served to get beyond the don't be a burden and say, I need help. Mm-hmm. Um, so if we can help people get to that point where they can say, I, I need help, I need support, then if they're engaging either in the screening and or in their own counseling, they can absolutely look at um, like relational counseling, family counseling, if they want to work on the relationship with that person. They can also say to said person, hey, I know sometimes I confuse you. And my PTSD or my depression or my anxiety or whatever can seem overwhelming. And I'm wondering if you might need some support and mm-hmm. potentially psychoeducation. So we get quite a few people who <clears throat> just want to understand more about their loved one who has served or is serving and the mental health challenges that, that's that they're seeing. Um, mm-hmm. And then just, you know, get their own support for that. So we provide that as well. Does that so, kind of answer your question? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Sweet. Well, thank you so much for sharing. And I really enjoyed our conversation today. And I think it's going to help me bring a few of those tools into the the cold darkness of January that we are currently uh, sitting in. So um, for all of our listeners out there, um, we invite you to reach out to Mount Carmel. Do you have your your number for the direct? Yeah, it's it's probably better to just contact if you're interested in our behavioral health services um you can contact 719-309-4758 again that's 719-309-4758 you can also go to our website at veteranscenter.org if you're looking for just mount carmel proper services you can call the uh, main line perfect yes and that's for all of our local listeners here For any of our listeners who may be outside of El Paso County, the Colorado Springs area, please don't hesitate to find and connect with resources in your area. In fact, if you reach out to us through email, I I know that our people will do the best that we can to network and make sure that you find resources wherever you are. And um, and the, thank you so much for listening to the Behavioral Health Podcast here with Dr. No, you're not a doctor yet. I'm not a doctor. So but just, uh, just so minute, you just, know, our director for, always <laughs> calls you doctor. Our, and so then, <laughs> yes, our boss boss is always like doctor. And I'm like, I am not a doctor. So. But, but you're so smart. I feel like you should be. <laughs> but anyhow, yes, Kirsten Belair here yeah. with our behavioral department. And uh, we will try to be doing these monthly again. And we're really excited. I'm excited to sit with you every month and have a great conversation. And uh, listeners, we will talk to you all next time. Bye-bye.